your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. It is 8.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. And coming up at 10 o'clock, 10 to 11 today, Scoops with Danny Mac. Scoops with Danny Mac.com, of course. And Dan will have all the latest for you. Michelle, I thought one of the interesting things that happened in baseball yesterday had nothing to do with negotiations or the possibility of playing. It was Theo Epstein, who is the president of the Chicago Cubs, saying that he needs to do a better job of hiring people, of looking outside his prism, his box, to get the best people that are available into the Cubs organization. It's certainly time to listen, and and, and we absolutely have been doing that and plan on doing that some more. It can be hard and be painful to look at ourselves, but when we have a problem the stomach, I think we all have to admit that we're all part of the problem, and we all need better to become part of the, the solution. He said, I've hired a black scouting director, a farm director in the past, but the majority of people that I've hired, if I'm being honest, have similar backgrounds to me and look a lot like me. He said, that's something I need to ask myself why. I need to question my own assumptions based on my own attitudes. I need to find a way to be better. The NFL obviously has had the Rooney rule in place for a long time so that teams are forced, and unfortunately they have to be forced, to interview people that they ordinarily wouldn't, people that don't look like them. And I find it refreshing that Theo Epstein is trying to, he's going to try to go about finding the best people. It still might wind up that he hires the person that he would have hired in the first Mm -hmm. place, but more people are going to get an opportunity to impress him. Seeking out other candidates, a diverse pool of candidates Mm -hmm. is such a great step one. And I think hearing somebody like Theo Epstein, who's a very powerful voice in in baseball, come out and say, hey, I'm taking a look inward at some of my own behaviors. And even though the intent might not have been there, I understand that this is a systemic thing and it's up to us to be intentional about how we approach these things moving forward. And I think that's one of the nice things, at least for people that want to allow really talented people to have an opportunity. That's one of the nice things about the Giants, for example, hiring Farhan Zaidi, who's from Canada, but comes from a Middle Eastern background. But they have an incredibly diverse front office and coaching staff now. And the the reason I like it is because there are able people. Heck, the the Giants have a female on their coaching staff. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like the idea of 
getting talented people in a position where they can shine and do their best job. Yeah, not trying to take any of the light away from Black Lives Matter because that's what started this mm-hmm. entire conversation. But you're right. Not just people of color. Let's talk about adding women and in, more into yep. the mix. I, I think that looking at diversity and representation in various aspects of sports is incredibly important. And it's pretty self-aware of Theo Epstein. It is. I, I think baseball as a group especially with the African-American community, I think they can do a better job. When I was, heck, when I, when I, when in the mid-80s, like 25% of all players were African-Americans, and now we're down to 6 or 7%. Oh, man. And baseball needs to find a way to get the, the best athletes on the field and the best people into their front offices. And, and so you, what you have to do is you have to look at the pool of everybody. You can't just look at certain pools of possibilities. Why do you think there was such a decline? Is it because baseball became very expensive for kids to participate in? So you might not have been targeting certain certain demographics. I don't really know what the answer is. I just know Taylor Twelman has talked about how that's impacted soccer, where you mm-hmm. have to play on all these select teams. So you're really only opening up the pool to people with a certain level of affluence that can afford to put their kids in in all of these different camps and go to all of these trainers and to play on all of these teams. So I wonder if baseball is really similar in that regard. Many times in the inner city, sports is looked at as a means to an end because that's an opportunity for a, a really high-quality young athlete to make a lot of money. Then you're a high-quality young athlete and you're 14, 15, 16, and you see yourself being better than everybody else, but then you look around and say, okay, well, I can play a year of college ball and go right to the NBA and make a ton of money. I can play three years of college football, go right to the NFL and make yeah. a ton of money. In baseball, I have to go to the minor leagues, and I have to spend three or four years there at least before I I get to Major League Baseball, and even then, I'm not making the kind of money that I would make in the NFL or the NBA. And, and by the way, Kids of all races think baseball is boring. Mm-hmm. Can confirm. Yeah, so but you're right. Number one overall draft pick in the NFL walking across the stage in a custom suit on national television immediately going in and playing and getting that money or riding a bus in the minor leagues. Baseball has a big disadvantage with that one. Right. And that's why it's interesting to watch the draft and one of the things that baseball wants is a world draft because right now, unless you're in the United States or Puerto Rico, you are not eligible for the draft. And I, I think it makes sense for baseball to have a world draft for all of the players to be accessible because the way it's set up now, and it, it's not a bad thing for the kids, the best players, it's a bidding war. And so the Yankees and Red Sox, the teams that have the most cash, can go out and get these kids. Although there are limits, there are, interna- there are international spending limits but if you have your site set on one kid for example the 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 uh robber that wound up in the white Sox system number two or three prospect in all of baseball he was the product of a bidding war and the white Sox won it it was between the white Sox and the cardinals and the white Sox were willing to spend more and some teams can't even participate in that because they just don't have enough cash unfair randy
Yeah. So, but, hey, before we talk about getting baseball players into Major League Baseball, which is kind of weird they're going to have a draft tonight and no place for these draftees to play. I know. I thought that, too. They need to get things settled. And we loved hearing from you, and we want to hear from you throughout the show about what made you fall in love with baseball. And there are so many great experiences from the 618. My first experience was in 1975. I watched Bob Gibson pitch. Me and my brother and sister got an autograph from Lou Brock and, of course, stupidly use those balls to play baseball with. Of course, I use my brother and sister's balls first. Uh, another one from the 314. Baseball to me is on the radio. Listening to Harry Carey or Jack Bucklow barbecuing or working in the yard. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just a rite of passage in St. Louis? Of course. Absolutely. It's, I mean, everybody can close their eyes and you can hear whether it's Jack Buck, Mike Shannon, Danny Mack, whoever the broadcaster was that narrated your summers, you can close your eyes and hear it. It, it just plays in your head. It's, man, I miss it. I miss Here, it, Randy. Here's one that we can all uh, of a certain age relate to. Randy, 1982, I was 11 years old. Mom, dad, my sister and I danced in the front yard to Cool in the Gang because Celebration was the Cardinals theme song that year. That was the moment when the Cardinals became a part of my life because that summer was just so fun and it was predictable that they were going to win. Let's hear from Ken who has a mic drop for us on 101 ESPN. Playing baseball, gotta love it. Going outside, going down the street, playing all day long till the sun goes down. Meet a few buddies just going out there, just throwing the ball, hitting it, running around, grabbing them. Going outside, playing catch with your dad. What what not better feeling is that in the world to go out there with your father and, and do something with and go to ballpark and watch the Cardinals play? That is such a cool part. And we talk about sports galvanizing communities, Michelle. But what about galvanizing families? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's this way in other markets. But baseball here, obviously, as we both know intimately, is something that is passed down from generation to generation, and it really does bond family ties. For sure, and a lot of parents use it as a vehicle for a lot of other avenues, whether it's, I mean, my dad told me how to keep score, and it's one of the ways I learned math, which, I mean, we know we're not great with math here on this show, so maybe I should have paid a little bit more attention, but you you learn about sportsmanship, you learn about, you know, doing things the right way, you learn about the sense of community, civic pride, there's all sorts of, of ways that parents use sports to en- enact life lessons to their children, and that bonds you with them in a a lot of ways. I mean, when the Cardinals have a big game or the Blues have a big game, I want to watch it with my dad. It's the first thing I think of. When I, when the, it was game seven of the Stanley Cup final, I don't care where I would have been on planet Earth. I would have come back so that I could have watched that game with my dad. And it, it does. It, sports bonds you with your family for life. And, and especially for guys, because we really don't talk a lot. We don't share feelings. <laughs> and for most of the guys I know, and I'm front and center here, our greatest bonding experience with our fathers was through sports. I grew up going to football Cardinal games with my dad. We, he had season tickets, and those were my favorite memories as a kid because at that point, the football Cardinals were good and the, the baseball Cardinals were not. Mm-hmm. But I, I told you, he 
every year there was a day game where he would take me out of school and we would go and watch a game and the doctor's appointment there really never was a doctor's appointment it wound up being air quotes doctor's appointment exactly but then that's something that I wanted to pass down to my kids and I hopefully hope that they'll pass down to their kids is it really does become a, a a tradition taking Patrick to Arizona every year. Yes, that's a sports thing. It is. It's a baseball thing. It and is. It's it's a bonding experience for father and son or father and daughter, and it's uh, or mother and son or mother and daughter. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And it's it's something that uh, all of us in St. Louis can appreciate. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are going to head into the Blues booth and talk to our friend John Kelly. He's next on 101 ESPN. to the Blues booth with our friend John Kelly, voice of the Blues on FS Midwest, and uh, he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. JK, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. How are you guys today? Doing well. One of the things we're doing is uh, when people fell in love with baseball or sports, and you grew up around hockey, and obviously your dad was a, a baseball announcer and a superb football announcer. Do you remember that moment, and you were probably very young, when you decided, man, I love this. You know, I don't remember the exact moment, Randy, but, um, you know, obviously as a young man, I was privileged to accompany my dad to football games and, and obviously a lot of hockey games. And I've told this story before. I remember um, maybe when I was 17 or so, I used to spot him um, when he did football. And I remember one week in particular in the fall where we, we drove down to Columbia, Missouri on a Friday afternoon um, he did the game um, the next day, the Tigers game, and then we actually were escorted back to St. Louis um, in a Missouri um, State Highway Patrol vehicle to beat the traffic. My dad broadcast a Blues game that night, and the next day he did a big red game at Bush Stadium, and I was a spotter for that. So he did three games in, in less than three days, and I was sitting next to him for for all three games. So it was a great, um, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, what a weekend for, for someone who was an aspiring broadcaster and obviously loves sports as well. John, do you remember when you realized that you wanted to follow in your dad's footsteps and become a sports broadcaster? You know, probably in junior high, Michelle, I, I remember um, broadcasting um, some of the Parkway North junior high basketball games into a tape recorder with some of my buddies. Um, so that was probably the first time that I really got the bug and, you know, didn't do a whole lot about it in, in my next couple of years. But then when I became, you know, a junior and a senior, I decided that was the route I wanted to take. And um, I went to SIU Edwardsville. They had a, a fine program and I got to do a lot of games. So I would say, you know, maybe in, in, in ninth grade uh, at Parkway North Junior, of course, Randy went to Parkway North as well as a lot of other um, broadcasters in the St. Louis area did. J.K., it just came down that the Pro Football Writers Association has nominated their uh, individual team representatives for the Masterson Trophy, and the Blues rep is Jay Bowmeister. Wouldn't it be fitting for Bo uh, in what we presume is going to be his last year to win the Masterson Trophy? Yeah, you know, Bo has, uh, what, what a career. He had that, that Ironman streak for forever, and, and then obviously, um, what happened to him in Anaheim um, a few months ago, and, and it's it's obviously very unlikely that he will 
play again. But, you know, I have always felt that he's the ultimate professional um, in, in terms of the way he carries himself, Randy. Um, you know, the, the trainers told me last year and, and the people around the team that when they come to camp, of course, every player is tested. And, and he is always, you know, among the very fittest of all the players. And, you know, he was 35 years old last season. So he's just been such a uh, determined athlete, um, a classy guy. And if he could uh, win that award, it certainly would be fitting. But, you know, we certainly wish the very best for Jay. He's just an outstanding person, uh, was a great player, of course, uh, with a young family. And uh, if he could win the award, that would be awesome. John, a year ago, we had a party unlike any in St. Louis. Well, I guess we did had a better party with the Stanley Cup uh, parade. But I remember this was leading into game six a year ago today. And I remember the crowds downtown and the energy that was pulsing through the city thinking, oh, my gosh, the Blues could win the first Stanley Cup in franchise history at home. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. But what do you remember from getting ready for game six, the lead up to game six and just the energy that was happening throughout the city and in enterprise center it was such great anticipation michelle after the blues won game five uh, of course there were a couple days off and and i know that uh, my family was down there and, and we were privileged enough to to have the ability if they wanted to, to go on the ice and celebrate so from a personal standpoint it would have been incredible and i know that you know outside on market street there were you know 20 30 thousand fans um that were uh, watching on the big screen and ready to, to celebrate it would have been it would have been an unbelievable night and a finish to the night had the blues won um i just can't imagine what that party would have looked like um but the anticipation was unlike what i've ever seen in in sports history here in st louis um obviously the blues of course had never won so yeah the anticipation was wild um, but the Blues lost the game, as we know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the party had to wait a couple of nights. But, uh, yeah, it was a big disappointment. I, I really wish they could have clinched it on home ice for, for obvious reasons. And, you know, the celebrations after they beat Winnipeg and Dallas and San Jose, they were all on home ice, as we know. It, it would have been incredible, but, you know, I'm not complaining. I'll take a seven-game win, and the way they did it, it was, uh, I guess it was fitting <clears throat> considering the, the way the Blues played on the road last year, that they did it in Boston. J.K., let's fast forward to what we hope will be a season starting next month with training camp and then playing in August and September. Do you think that experience that the Blues generated last year, and most of those players are back, benefits them heading into this unknown? Well, I think so, Randy. I mean, whenever you are backed up against the wall and the Blues faced elimination three times last year, um, then you learn from that. And it's, it's, a, it's an intangible thing, really, to learn how to win, as we know. Uh, you know, a lot of teams win a certain amount of games in the regular season, but then falter at the end. And to learn how to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs when the pressure is so high, um, it, again, it's an intangible, and the Blues have that. And, you know, I mentioned, Randy, that because of the pause in the season, the Blues really benefit because now they're, they're a rested team, just like every other team, and obviously a healthy team. So uh, I, I think that when you combine the fact that the Blues are a rested team and will be rested and the fact they have that knowledge of what it takes to win, something you can't really be taught, you have to go through it, um, I think it will be invaluable for the Blues. And, 
you know, the other thing, Randy, as we know, sometimes you have to lose before you win. And the Blues suffered some, some devastating losses in the Stanley Cup playoffs, quite honestly, in the last seven or eight years. You know, they were up 2-0 against Chicago and lost a series. They were up 2 nothing against the Kings and lost a series. Um, so some, some very difficult losses. And it really, I think it really hardened that team and it, it helped them last year when their backs were up against the wall. So I, I, I certainly think getting back to your original question, the fact that, you know, they were forced to a game seven on two occasions last spring and they fought off elimination three times. It certainly will help them this spring. John, I know that part of the reasons the Blues are, are such a great team is that they are a team. Every piece is very important. But when you think about the Blues and maybe some of the players that we saw ascending before the stoppage, I know having that pause is really going to affect everybody in different ways. But who's a player that you think, when the Blues do resume play, could really break out and be a big, big factor for the Blues? Well, they have some good young players, Michelle, as, as we know. But to me, the brightest star among the young kids is Robert Thomas. And for the most part, Robert has been used at center ice this year. And when they do resume, I said that, you know, in the spring when the playoffs come back, it looks like it'll be late summer or the fall, <laughs> obviously. Um, but Robert Thomas, to me, is a star in the making. Now, with Shannon O'Reilly, um, who knows if Robert is a center iceman or a right winger. Um, we've seen them in, in both situations and both positions, but I think that in a couple of years, Robert Thomas will be a star in this game. And, and I've been saying that for a couple of years. He's such a smart player. He's a brilliant passer and he's only, uh, you know, 21 years of age. At the same time, Robert is such a great skater. Um, I, I think when you factor in, um, all the players on the team, he's as fast as any player on the team, quite honestly, and, and so fast with the puck. And I know that may sound odd, but it's, it's one thing to skate fast up and down the ice without a puck, but when you have a puck on your stick, obviously, it's a different animal. And, and, and when Robert gets that puck with the, with, you know, the, the puck on a stick, he is just so fast through the neutral zone. So I think, um, he will be the guy that is, is the breakout player down the road that, to me, he will be a superstar, hopefully, for this organization for a long time. John Kelly, it's always great to hear your voice, and it'll be really great to hear your voice doing blues hockey when it comes back. Can't wait, Randy. Hopefully it happens in, in, in late July or early August. Let's cross our fingers as we move along here and, and hopefully get to training camp in a month or so. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Randy. See you, JK. That's our friend John Kelly here on 101 ESPN, brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwoods. If you're tired of looking at stained carpet and scuffed vinyl, we would love to help you increase the style and the value of your home with Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. When considering your flooring in your new home, real wood is the healthiest option and provides the best long-term value. Boardwalk is a local family-owned business providing quality floors for any home in our community for more than 22 years. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Don't just take our word for it. Check out the reviews on Google. Visit one of our three area showrooms and online at BoardWalkHardwood.com. Next up in the fast lane, it's The Fight. Coming your way with Carriker and Smallman. Think you can beat down Carriker? We sure hope you can. The Fight with Carriker, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back to Kara Gurns Moment here on 101 ESPN, 8.33 a.m., which means it's time for the fight. Before we bring in our contestant today, Colin, let us know what we're playing for. We are playing for a gift card to Surf and Sirloin in De Pere, home of prime USDA hand-cut steaks and fresh seafood. Surf and Sirloin is open now for indoor dining. Visit surfandsirloin.com to check out the menu. Gotta love that protein. All right, Brad is our contestant today. Brad, good morning. How you doing? Hi, good morning, Michelle. How are you? Good morning, Randy. I am well. Randy is in the hallway. He is being sequestered, so he can't hear your answers, but you'll speak to him in a second. Um, Brad, how are you feeling today? you confident? I'm feeling good, Michelle. I love it. I love it. All right, Brad, ready to go? Ready to go. Question number one. On this day in 1980, Whitey Herzog was named manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Which team did Whitey make his managerial debut with? Was it the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, or the Texas Rangers? Kansas City Royals. The Billikens lost in the finals of the NIT in both 1989 and 1990. Who was their head coach during this run? Was it Charlie Spoonauer, Rich Grauer, or Ron Eckert? Charlie Spoonauer. Happy 32nd birthday to former Cardinals pitcher Joe Kelly. We love Joe Kelly. Brad, what year did the Cardinals draft Joe in the third round? Was it 2009, 2010, or 2011? 2010. And question number four, Brad. The 2004 NFL Draft is famous for having Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger all being drafted in the first round. J.P. Losman was the fourth quarterback selected that year. Where did Losman play his college football? Was it Tulane, Michigan State, or Baylor? Losman. Got you Michigan all green State. colors there. Michigan State. All right. Yeah, they were all green. <laughs> all right. Colin is going to get Randy. Brad, I didn't, you probably didn't expect to be fielding JP Losman questions this morning, did you? No, I did not. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I'm a Michigan fan, so I'm really not a Michigan State fan at all. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll see if you got yeah. that one right. All right. Randy is getting s- settled here. Oh, Randy has a Billkins half sip on today. Yeah. So you'll like one yeah. of these questions, Randy. Oh, okay. Uh, Randy, say hello to Brad, your challenger today. Hey, Brad. How are you? Good morning, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Randy, on this day in 1980, Whitey Herzog was named manager of the San Luis Cardinals. Which team did Whitey make his managerial debut with? He managed the Texas Rangers as a, for less than a season. Might have been an interim. I think he was. Here's your Billikens flavor for the fight, Randy. Question number two. The slew Billikens lost in the finals of the NIT in both 1989 and 1990. Who was their head coach during that run? One of the nicest people that you'll ever meet, Rich Grauer, was their head coach. What a great guy. Shout out to Joe Kelly, Randy. Today is his 32nd birthday. Happy birthday, Joe. Happy birthday, Joe Kelly. What year did the Cardinals draft Joe Kelly in the third round? Hmm. He, let's see, he pitched for them. He was a uh, closer in college and they tried to make him a starter. What year would that have been? Um, trying to, let's see, they traded him, was that in 14? He was, 
Yeah, because they treated him as part of the Craig deal. Mm-hmm. So I'll oh, sorry. go with... <laughs> to that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> My bad. I'll say he was drafted in 2010. Just a wild guess. And question number four. First, Michelle, I don't think we're going to be able to help Randy yeah. or hurt him at all. I and think that didn't really, figured out. you know, <laughs> help aid you with the question at all. No. Confirming that he was part of the Alan Craig to Boston deal. Maintaining our integrity in the fight. Question yes, number yes. four, Randy. The 2004 NFL draft is famous for having Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger all being drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. J.P. Losman was the fourth quarterback selected that year. Where did he play his college ball? Well, I can tell you this, that when he got to Buffalo, they changed the pronunciation of his last name to Luzman. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That is rough. Yeah. I think he might have been a uh, green wave. Tulane green wave. We've got a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. Sorry, Brad. Randy beat you three to nothing. Whitey Herzog made his managerial debut with the Texas Rangers. He was fired in the middle of his first season in 1973. The Billikens lost in the finals of the NIT in 89 and 90. Rich Grower was their head coach, as Randy said. Uh, Joe Kelly was drafted in the third round in 2009. Mm, Randy. One off. One off. And J.P. Lozman did play his college football at Tulane. Brad, thanks so much for playing. No, thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too, and we really appreciate you listening. And, of course, you can try to participate in the fight every day just before the uh, show or before the fight between 7 and 8 o'clock. To just text the word FIGHT to 65780, and maybe Freeze Pops will choose you. Uh, Whitey Herzog, Randy. I think the White Rat is one of the greatest nicknames in all of sports. It is. And they, everybody knows him as just the rat or a yeah. rat. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. And how fortunate the Cardinals were that Kansas City fired him and then the Cardinals get him in the middle of the 1980 season and by 1982 we had a world champion. Worked out well for us. Pretty good. Did you see that as the PGA returns to play this weekend, Michelle, there are only going to be three CBS people on site at the Colonial in Fort Worth and they're going to have Nance plus two course people and then Nick Faldo and two other analysts are going to be in Orlando mm. at the the Golf Network studios and then throughout the United States are going to have all their technical people they're going to the the tournament will be produced it's being played in Fort Worth they're going to have people in Stamford Connecticut New York and Los Angeles to provide production support and graphics and video replays technology is amazing it's phenomenal and I wonder, I, I bet you it'll sound like everybody is there. Because yes. normally when you do a golf tournament, literally everybody that we just mentioned that's going to be in five different cities is on site. Now you're going to have only three of hundreds of people that are going to be there. But I bet it'll sound like everybody is there. Well, with Nance running the show, you know it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And one other note about golf, and it's interesting, when Tiger plays, he'll never have to worry about people with cameras. He'll never have to turn around and glare at people that that took a picture and had their, their camera sound thing on. And while that annoyed him, here's a guy that has gotten very used to the crowd following him around all the time and feeding off the energy of the crowd. So I wonder if that would affect him more than perhaps other golfers. That's a great point because not only did it benefit him, but I believe it for a lot of golfers, is an intimidating factor for them to uh-huh. know that Tiger is on the course. And you were at 18 and I was at 10, so we were in the same vicinity. 
for the PGA, the last day of the PGA. And remember when he made a shot, I think it was on 13, literally at the other end of the course, and we he hit a putt. And you could hear the roar. Yes. And then we had the big screen with the seven-second delay. And then you see the putt a, a, a few seconds after we hear the roar. It was one of the most unforgettable things I've ever seen in sports, being there live and feeling the energy of the crowd and, and hearing that roar. And you're right, I was on 18. And so there's other golfers trying to play that hole and we can hear the roars of the crowd for for Tiger across the course. And you think about other golfers who are trying to focus and, and whatever, knowing that Tiger just did something good without even having to worry about golf, which is tough enough in itself, trying to make your putt or or have a great shot but then to hear that roar and know that tiger is coming down he's making his descent down and he just did something great that's got to get in your head there's only one golfer that elicits that sort of noise too even if somebody else hits a hole in one the only guy that is on the course that elicits that sort of sound is tiger so every other golfer knows oh tiger just did something great that's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, what sort of an advantage does Mike Schiltz provide the Cardinals? That's coming your way as we roll on with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Well, we hope that the Cardinals play baseball this year, and, well, they, they will. With a condensed season and with a condensed time to train, managers are going to be more important than ever during the regular season. Managers ordinarily make their money in a condensed, the the highest paid managers get their money in a condensed postseason format. If the teams are only playing 48 games, being a manager takes on a lot more importance because over 162 games Generally, talent wins out. It doesn't really matter. It, you, you might win 91 games with a bad manager rather than 94 or something like that. But 91 ordinarily will get you into the playoffs, the way I look at it. But if you have only 48 games and every move that that manager makes, and we scrutinize all 162 in mm-hmm. St. Louis, but every move that that manager makes over the course of 48 games is important. I believe that the Cardinals have a distinct advantage in trying to make the playoffs because I do think Mike Schilt tactically is excellent. He is excellent, and all of these players love playing for him. So whatever he says, they're going to fall into line. Mm-hmm. And if he's done done the survey of the team and says, okay, this is, I think, our best approach heading into the shortened season. Here are the things that I think we need to do. This is the approach we're going to take. You know that the team is going to fall in line and everyone is going to be following the same messaging and the same approach, which is huge. So you'll have a division, and if we haven't forgotten here, when baseball comes back, we're going to have three 10-team divisions. Because of COVID-19, they want to limit travel as much as possible. You're going to have the Cubs with a new manager. You're going to have the White Sox with an extraordinarily young team. Craig Council is very Schilt-esque in the way he runs the Brewers. He's got their attention and tactically he's very strong. Mike Matheny with the Royals, David Bell with the Reds in his rookie year showed himself to be very good. Terry Francona might be Mm -hmm. the best guy going, right, with the Indians. And then 
With the Twins, you have Rocco Baldelli, who did a good job last year. The Braves uh, have an excellent manager in Brian Snitker. And then the Tigers with Ryan, Ron Gardenhire, but they don't have any players. So I think you're really looking at probably four teams with, and I don't think the Brewers are going to be that good either. I, I just don't like their pitching, especially in a short season. Uh, although they're both, maybe they will because... You can blow your bullpen out over yeah. the course of 48 games. You don't have to worry no about doubt. it. No doubt. So maybe we throw them into the mix. So I say Brewers, Cardinals, I still respect the Reds. Uh, the Twins were good last year in the Braves. So half the teams will be in the hunt. And if the Cubs are healthy and they keep their players, this sets up really well for them with only having five starting pitchers. Problem is we don't know what David Ross is. And so I, I'm, I'm not going to put the Cubs in that class. I do think that... All of this, if you play a 48-game schedule, the Cardinals' depth of starting pitching, their manager, their organizational overall depth, I think it really benefits the Cardinals more than most teams in this division. There's a lot of positives. If you're if you're doing the positive negatives column, there's mm-hmm. a lot of positives on for the St. Louis Cardinals. I just worry about the offense because that's we saw it end in a terrible fashion last year, very stagnant. We know that they've had a full off season learning the Jeff Albert principles, players working on specific things, whether it be grip, approach, whatever it may be. I just wonder if that's going to take time to get it into a rhythm or to see that production. And the problem is, is that they won't have the time to figure it out. So it's either going to have to work right away or it's going to be a failure. And we go back to the key and the guy that has the most to prove. This is why Matt Carpenter needs to be not good, but he needs to be Matt Carpenter again. Mm -hmm. Because... You can count on Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt's going to deliver offense for you. He can roll out of bed on Christmas Day, and he can hit. I believe, and I may be wrong here, but I believe that Colton Wong has found his way as an offensive player. I think he's going to be a very good leadoff hitter. And when you look at what DeYoung accomplished last year, and you want DeYoung to be better, but he did hit 30 home runs. And one of the reasons that he fell off is because he admits physically he Mm -hmm. just got worn out over the course of 162. I think you have a, a lot of really good offensive players. But as you said, they need those players to perform at the level necessary. The thing is, everybody does. That's why I wonder... What can the White Sox expect? Because they don't really have guys with track records. And the the Brewers, pitching-wise, starting pitching-wise, they don't have track records. I do think that from the standpoint of starting rotation, bullpen, and offense, all of those, you're going to put together a 26-man roster. I think the Cardinals have more guys with track records than most teams in that division. For sure. And I think what you said at the beginning of the segment is the most important is that we really trust Mike Schilt, that tactically he's going to be able to construct the puzzle the way it needs to go. And going back to what we talked about with players being upset, I do think that the Cardinals as a team, because they, even though they might not trust ownership, they trust Mike Schilt. Mm -hmm. And he plays it straight with them. And we saw how tight the bond was last year when we were down in spring training. We we talked about how tight they were. And a lot of these players played for Mike Schilt at the minor league level. They have trust in him. And not many managers 
can say that, that they have such a great bond with their players heading into a 2020 season? I believe it was when we spoke to Mike Maddox and I asked him, why do so many players love playing for Mike Schilt? Because you talk to these guys and they say, I'd play for him the rest of my career if I could. And I, he said, it's because he's so genuine. He cares about these guys in a genuine way more than he cares about himself. And he takes the time, I think, to realize that it's not just one broad brushstroke in the way that you manage people that every person has different ticking points and that every person every person is every player is a person and they need to be handled in a different manner and I think when you look at a guy like Colton Wong he's the perfect example of how Schilte is such a great manager of people because he recognized this is how I need to communicate with Colton he needs that security of knowing that he's going to play every day and by giving him just that we saw how he was able to flourish there's an old coaching axiom They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Mike Schilt lives that as Mm -hmm. a manager. And the players understand that. And in talking to them individually and giving them ownership by having the ball talk every day before games... The, the players are invested in this team because he allows them to be invested in this team. And some guys just have that it in terms of being... Not just a manager of a baseball team, but being a manager of people. I always said that I thought guys like Whitey and guys like Joe Torre and Dick Vermeil, if and Tony, if they ran a bank or if they ran a car dealership or if they ran a department store, they would run it effectively because they know how to logically manage people. All mm-hmm. it takes is logic. And <laughs> There are a lot of people that don't manage that way. They manage a sports team like it's another type of entity. And it's really not. It's about managing people, and DV especially. Manage people better than anybody I've ever seen. And Mike Schilt has that ability to not just manage a baseball team and bring in a reliever at X amount of time or pinch hit at this kind of time, but he gets people to want to work for him. Sure. And, you know, we, we there's another great leader of people down the street and Craig Berube. But we see what Craig Berube gives the media and the fans, maybe with a a few less F-bombs, is exactly what he's (laughs) giving the players, right? He is just no-nonsense toughness. This is what we're going to do, and you're either part of the team or you're not. But with Mike Schultz, I found it to be very interesting when we saw that Randy Rose Arena leaked video, and we saw a completely different side of Mike Schultz that the players get to see. And I thought... That's that's really interesting that he reserves that side of himself for them and that you that he unleashes that passion and that fire with them. And I think one of the things we always wondered about him was he's such a nice guy. He's such a pragmatic guy. He's he's different than Tony La Russa in that way, yeah. who was passion and fire foot on the gas 24 seven. But then when we saw that other side of him, you thought, oh, OK, there's more. There's this guy's got layers. Mike Schilt is an onion. There's there's a different side to him. And I think that endears players towards him to say, hey, behind closed doors, he's got our back and he's not afraid to fire us up. And by the way, aren't you excited to see how Randy Rosa Reina performs for the Cardinals this year? Yeah. Oh, man, Randy. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Do we have cause and effect? Do we have an if-then, like from the logic class in college? So if you video the manager during a private speech, then you get traded? Yeah, it's... (laughs) 
what is it, physics, like putting, yeah. putting it into motion? <laughs> exactly. For every action, there's a reaction. So I, w- <laughs> I wonder if after that happened, while Schilt said, we talked to Randy privately, it was an accident, whatever, that if all of a sudden his name went on a list uh, yes. in the front office. Well, okay, you know, we'll, we're going to say publicly this is okay, but the name is on a list. Actually, all they said was, we talked to Randy privately. <laughs> <laughs> they might have said, you're done here, buddy. <laughs> Remember, Randy, speaking of, of that, when we made our Mike Schilt parody video here at 101 ESPN? Yes, that was great. Doesn't that seem like a million years ago? It really does. Yeah, getting ready for the NLCS. Yeah. It's hard It's hard to believe that we were just going about our lives, you know, doing a parody video of Mike Schilt dropping F-bombs. And now here we are, morning baseball, wishing it would come back. Life comes at you fast, Randy. It really does. It does. Hey, we're going to hear from more of you. What made you fall in love with baseball? When did you fall in love with baseball? Mike drops texts and uh, a little bit of baseball news coming up in today's big thing on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.